You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey guys, producer Darren here. Before we get into the podcast, I wanted to give you a quick announcement about a two-day intensive that Cindy is hosting in Tampa, Florida on September 16th and 17th. Are you an entrepreneur who is looking for spiritual and professional guidance from an experienced faith-based coach? Are you ready to take your business to the next level, but aren't sure where to start? Do you have big goals, but need help developing a strategic plan? This class could be the catalyst for a lifestyle shift that will affect every area of your life, including your family, your business, and most importantly, increasing your experience of oneness with God. Spots for this event are limited and early bird pricing starts June 1st. You'll want to go to cindy-stewart.com to get more information and get registered for this event today. Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Hi, I'm Cindy Stewart, and thank you so much for coming and spending this time with me today. I am excited about what the Lord has shown me. He has given me a word about having a vision for our future. Now, do you have a vision for your future? You know, I love vision casting. I love doing all of that. So I have all kinds of vision, but God refined it a little bit for me and gave me a better understanding of what I'm looking for. So let me just share a little bit with you about that. I went to a pastor's conference recently and it says, and uh, their overarching theme to sum it up was our relationship with God must grow deeper in order for us not to just survive, but to thrive now and in the future. And this idea of having a future for the vi a vision for the future is so critical right now. Let me just ask you, and I ask people this a lot. Do you think Jesus is coming back within the next 10 years, the next 20 years, maybe the next 100 years? I know the word says that nobody will know the day or time, but a lot of people do speculate. They look at the end times and they're like, boy, this has happened, this has happened, this has happened, so it'll probably be soon. Well, you know, the disciples thought he was coming back, but he didn't come back then. So we don't really know when he's coming back. And when we think about how old we are and do we have a vision for that time span for the future, I think the answer would be for most of us would be no. You know, I listened to a story by uh, one of my friends that was telling that when they got saved in the Jesus movement, they were so focused on end times that they really weren't thinking about going to college or anything like that. They were just thinking about prep, prepping for Jesus to come back. Well, there's something about being prepared, but we don't want to be prepared and not participate. And that's really what I want to talk about. How do we participate in this? I mean, have you ever thought about how long you're going to live? I think about it all the time. I know that sounds funny, but I want to live as long as I can. I just, I just have that passion to live for a long life. 
while they say the average life expectancy is 79. But in the Word of God, it was 120. So there's a big gap between 79 and 120. I want to live to 120. I want to see my grandchildren and my grandchildren's children grow up. I, I want to participate in all God has for as long as I can. So the life expectancy is increasing. So you should plan to live a lot longer now. And you can even think about, God, do you have 120 years for me? In Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord God, but those things which are revealed belong to us. Well, God has revealed to us about how to have, uh, how to live well and how to live long. And when he revealed it to us, it says, and to our children forever. So when there is breakthrough in Revelation, everyone gets to breakthrough. So this is my Moses principle. I, principle, I call it. I wrote about it in my book, God's Dream for Your Life. My Moses principle is, and this is the revelation, it's been revealed to us, that Moses was 120 years old when he died. But this is the key. His eyes were not dim, nor did his natural vigor diminish, which means his eyes could see perfectly and his body worked perfectly. It operated in the capacity which God had called him. He wasn't actually able to die because he was in such good condition. So think about that. Do you want to live to 120? Some friends of mine are 100. They came to my church the other day. They're 100 years old, and they are the fiery evangelists for the Lord in our region. I mean, Matt, uh, one of our guys, was driving them home or yeah, driving them home and they saw a fire station and they're like, pull over, pull over, pull over. So he did. They got out, gathered up all the firemen and women, began to tell them about Jesus, asked them if he wanted, they wanted to give Jesus their lives. And several of them got saved. They didn't know anybody there, but they have such a passion for Christ that it didn't matter to them. They were going for it. Do you want to be that fiery at 100? Well, so let me just ask you, how old are you? And you don't have to tell me. You can private message me if you want to on Instagram or direct message me. But how old are you? Just think, if you're watching right now and you're 30 years old, you still have a solid 90 to go. 90 years. If you're 40, you got 80 years. If you're 50, you got 70 years to go. At 60, you're finally middle age. Now think about this. We don't think in those terms. If you're not watching from America, I'll just give you a little America PS. In America, we're taught to work until we're 65 and then play golf, play cards, uh, eat dinner at four o'clock. You know, that's our life. That's not the life I want. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but that's not the life I want. I want a life that's full and thriving. I want to live the next years with a purpose and a passion for God. And that's what God wants for us, to have a vision for the future, not just next year or five years from now, but a vision for 120 years. And you may not live that long. 
But if you've got a vision and a purpose, you'll live a lot longer than you're going to live if you don't have a vision or a purpose. The word says that without vision, my people perish. If we can't see where we're going, if we don't have a vision for what's coming, if we don't have uh, this is my next step in our mind, in our heart, then we get lost and we give up. So you got to have a vision. And maybe everyone doesn't want to live to 120. I had someone write to me and say, you know, my husband and I don't want to live to 120, but we do want to live a full life. And she said, 90 is about good for us. And that's fine. But that's what they have a vision for. So between now and 90, what are you going to do? What's what God's burning in your heart? What are the passions? I mean, I don't want my life limited by my age. I, I want my life to be fully lived, whether I'm 50 or 120. If I'm on that 119 edge, I still want to be like Moses, where my eyes didn't lose their uh, ability to see and my body didn't lose its vigor, the ability to run. So just think about this. The word says that as a man thinks, so is he. So how do you think? Do you think, what can I do for the kingdom over the next 50, 60, 70 years? What is our mandate? I have a, a one, a two, and a three-year-old granddaughter, a three granddaughters. And so they've got 119, 118, and 117 years to go if they live to 120. They've got a big life that can be filled with God things that will transform other people. You know, God uses us for others. He wants to transform our lives so we can do things for others. And God wants us to remember what our mandate is. You know, Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go out. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse the leopards. I want you to cast out the demons. And I want you to preach the gospel because freely you've received, freely you give. That is our mandate. And that's what we need to look for in the future. In my day to day, God, I want to heal the sick. I want to raise the dead. I want to cleanse the leopards. I want to cast out demons. And I want to share the gospel with whoever I encounter. And that gives us something to live for. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be in, the, in our jobs for 120 years. It might mean that halfway through, God's going to take us on a different path. I know for me, I was a career person. I worked for a corporation on the board of directors, all of those things. You know, I played golf with all my customers, did all the, all those good things. And uh, I loved my job. I loved it. I traveled. I, I loved my job. And God tricked me into quitting my job. And I was like, I don't want to quit my job. And he said, okay, well, open a business, open a consulting business, which I was like, okay, Lord, I did. So I finally quit my job. I opened a consulting business. But what happened is by leaving that job that I worked 60, 70 hours a week and traveled and opened a consulting business that I could control my hours that I worked, I was able to do so much more not only in my business, but for my children, for my family, for my church, for my community, all of a sudden the possibilities expanded. And I thought I was given something up by quitting my job, but what I actually did was I added to my life. So I don't know what you want to do over your next lifespan. You know, just do the math. Let's just 
let's just shoot for 120 and see what God wants to do through you. But what he wants to do is he wants you to be healthy during this life. And that's why I call it the Moses principle, because in order to live a life like that, like I don't want to live in a wheelchair in a nursing home. One of our prayers and declarations over the nursing homes around us and the dementia centers around us, the Alzheimer's life around us is we declare for perfect health to invade their area, to invade their bodies, that the nursing homes will be emptied. The Alzheimer units will be cleared because Jesus swept in and healed their bodies and healed their minds so they can continue with their life like Moses did in perfect health. So are you ready to accept this challenge? That in order for us to live a long life, we have to take care of our bodies. We have to take care of who we are. And, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do because we're fast food junkies. We love to run in and out and eat wonderful things. But really, I just want to share this with you because this is, this is going to be something that's going to kind of blow your mind. Did you know 73% of Americans, and I'm sure that uh, every country can look up their own statistics, 73% of the deaths are caused by heart disease, cancer, respiratory infection, diseases, stroke, unintentional injuries, Alzheimer, kidney disease, and suicide, diabetes. So all of these things here can be pretty much taken care of with health and exercise and really watching after your body. And God doesn't want us to die of disease. He doesn't want us to die of disease. You know, when he was with the Israelites, there was no sickness that came on them. Moses, there was no sickness that came on him. So if we can push past what we've been told is normal aging. Oh, you, as you get older, you might get forgetful. No, the word of God says, I have the mind of Christ. Oh, as you get older, you might not be able to move around very well. No, I've been given a body and bones and muscles and I'm going to exercise them and work them and pray for healing over them so that I can live a long life. I want to agree with what the word of God says, that my whole life, my whole body, my whole mind is healed in his name and I'm going to take care of it until he calls me home. And it's not because I'm dying of sickness. So let's just go through this challenge of wholeness. Now, if I want to tell you a couple of quick things. First of all, did you know there's 2.3 billion Christians in the world? 30% of our population of the world is Christian. Now, I know the news wants us to believe something else, but 30, actually 31% are Christians. Imagine... If that 31% lived in the maximum capacity of their age in perfect health like Moses, imagine what we could do. That's what I want. I, I want us to be the, for, for, I want people to look at the body of Christ and say, how do they stay so well? How come there's no sickness or disease on them? 
What is their secret? Jesus is our secret. That's what I want. I want us to push back what the world is telling us and push into what God is showing us, that we have the ability to have perfect health, better health than other people. You know, Job lived to be 240 years old. Sarah lived to be 127. Abraham, 175. Isaac, 180. Joshua, 110. Uh, The apostle John died around 94. So God is looking for seasoned, mature saints to be healthy and to be ready to disciple and mentor new believers in this time of great harvest. And there is a great harvest going on. There are people who are crying out for answers and their answer is coming in the form of being born again and finding Jesus. So it's an exciting time, but we have to be able to help them, mentor them, disciple them. And I think there's four critical lessons that we can learn here. And really, I think Moses's vitality and longevity was because of his engagement with the glory of God. And I just want to talk about a few key points in Moses's life uh, that were kind of the line of demarcation that moved him into living out of God's glory. You know, Moses encountered an angel and there was a burning bush. It says the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush and the bush was not consumed. And he turned aside to see the great sight. This is out of Exodus 3. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him from the midst of the bush saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said to him, here I am. And the Lord said, do not draw near this place. Take off your feet and take out your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. You know that when we stand in the holiness of God, that holiness gets on us. It gets on us. You know, the word says that we're holy because God is holy. And when we live out of holiness, there is a glory that comes in that holiness. And Moses encountered the glory of God in this holiness. And God identified himself. I am God, your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He identified him as Moses's God. And what Moses realized is that he saw something far beyond possibility. He saw the glory of God in holy fire. And that transformed him. He became immersed in the glory of God. You know, it's funny. We talk about Moses and sometimes he's made a little fun of because he was like, I can't do this, God. I don't have the right speech. I, you know, I can't say things, but we all start somewhere. And in our starting position, God is going to use where we are and transform us to where he wants us to be. But he doesn't mind that we have the flaws or the or Moses, the insecurity or his stuttering, his inability. But it's interesting because as Aaron becomes the spokesperson, Moses would hear from God and tell Aaron, there comes a transition where no longer does Aaron speak for Moses, that Moses hears the voice of God and he speaks it clearly to others. So he went through a journey of transformation. 
of insecurity and not feeling confident in what God had called him to do, to being the one who would share the word of God with the heart of the people, to the heart of the people. So remember, wherever you are, you're on a journey with God and he is working with you every day, every way to get you to where he wants you to be. And who knows where that's going to be? You know, we think we have a picture, but God does these turns, these curves, these quick, quick structuring that surprises us. And next thing you know, we're doing something we never thought we would do. So here's the four critical life lessons for you, just to think about, to be immersed in the glory. First of all, Moses learned how to recognize the presence of God. He spent enough time with that one encounter, seeing what God is like, that as he encountered God in the next encounter, the next encounter, he learned how to recognize the presence. God wants to teach you how to recognize his presence. You know, Moses started with a rod. And when he threw it on the ground, it turned into a snake. And when he picked it back up, it was back into a rod. He learned to recognize the presence of God. He also learned how to enter into the presence. Moses had so many opportunities on Mount Sinai. God invited him up to enter into the presence and it was filled with cloud and it was filled with thunder and it was filled with lightning, but he learned how to push past all the visual and enter in to the very glory of God, enter into his presence. And in those times of presence, he was able to receive from God, not only for himself and his journey, but for the people of Israel. And that learning how to enter into God's presence takes time of spending time with God. You know, spending some time just waiting on him and saying, God, I'm just gonna wait unto to you, I sense your presence. You know, when I read the word, I will read the word until I see God highlight. Sometimes it's just one word. Sometimes it's a phrase. But then I know that his presence is here and his presence is on that word. And I'll take that word and I will write it down. And I will just say, God, this is what you showed me, this one word or this one phrase. Now speak to me out of it. Just like Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's how we learn to kind of step into the presence by going through a process of learning to meditate and wait until he brings forth his presence for us to step into. The other critical life lesson, number one, Moses learned how to recognize God's presence. Number two, he learned how to enter into his presence. And number three, he learned who God is. God told him, I am your father. I am the father of Abraham and Jacob. I am. And when we learn who God is, it makes this ability to live out of his glory so much easier. Many times, God the Father is misinterpreted or compared to our own fathers or other people's fathers. But God isn't a human father. He is our heavenly father and he is perfect in every way. And so when we learn who he is 
and we get rid of those misunderstandings or those misperceptions of who he is not, then it allows us to live out of the glory of God because we have a pure, clearer understanding of who he is. The other thing Moses learned was how to receive his identity as the child of God. You know, it's interesting because Moses was brought up in an Egyptian Pharaoh household. So he learned how to be like an Egyptian, how to be like a ruler. And God's going to use what he learned as a ruler to rule the people of Israel. You know, what he learned in his time in Egypt wasn't thrown in the garbage can and wasn't done away with. What God did was he transformed what he learned into a God view of how to lead people, how to take care of people, how to instruct people. And he announced who Moses was and how God wanted to use him, that he was going to be the one that would lead the Israelites to the promised land. So living in this glory zone was very much a part of Moses's life. He wanted uh, to see God's glory. He even said, show me your glory. You know, it's funny because Moses's interaction with God was like, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going to go. God, if if this isn't going on, then uh, he's like, let's just kill all the people. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. And, And he was so real and genuine and transparent with God, which allowed God to really operate in his heart. You know, we can't hide things from God. He knows. But part of it is our realization so so we can agree with God with what the truth is for us. So I believe that spending time in the glory of God is what ushers us into that perfect health zone. God's glory keeps our spirit, our soul, and our body in health. And when we live out of that glory, then we're able to keep ourselves in better health. Not only do we eat better, not only do we take better care of ourselves, but we're living out of the very presence of God. You know, there's times I've been caught up in the glory of God, and I just want to share one of them just as an encouragement to you. I had found an old journal that um, I had done some illustration and when I was caught up in the glory of God. And immediately when I looked at it, it took me back to the vision. You know, once you've had an envision with God, a vision with God, you can go back into that vision. Once you've had an encounter with God, you can go back into that encounter because that way has already been opened up for you. But I was sitting there and just really enjoying the presence of God. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Stay in my chamber and grow in the joy of my father under my father's embrace. And he gave me this jewel scepter and it was just beautiful, ornate and beautiful. And he said, I want you to do something. I have given you something to rule over, rule over the hearts of my people to bring wholeness and health to them. He said, be a ruler of their hearts. Help them to encounter me, to get to know me, to learn how to live for me. And that really is my passion. You know, I want to know God at the best I can know him. And I know everybody else does too. You know, what, what good is a God that's distant? 
And God's only distance if we want him to be distant. But each word that he gave me was a gift. And I felt the supernatural love just pour over me. And I share this with you as really an example. Just like Moses had those encounters with God, it was the glory of God that he shared uh, in the word. I want to share an encounter so that you can say, God, let me encounter your glory. Let me find a way to enter into your presence and recognize your presence and really live out of your glory. And, you know, there's a couple of quick things that you can do is just begin to read over the word. This little section of Exodus 3 and Exodus 33 and 34, read over those and allow God, just say, I invite your glory to consume me, Lord, just like you did with Moses. Uh, spend a little time just soaking in those words that he's speaking to you and just write them down and intend to them, steward them well, because God wants to not only pour out his glory on you, but he wants you to teach you how to help other people enter into the glory. So let me just pray for you now. God, I just release a manifest presence of your glory to every watch, every person watching today. I just pray that you will show them how to recognize your presence, enter into your presence. Lord, just let them know who you are as the Father. And as they do that, that they will be carriers of the glory and really take care of themselves and, and be stewards of their body and have a vision for 120 years to live and to serve you with all their hearts, all their minds. So I just appreciate you watching today. Join us next week and know that you are the best investment you, you can make and God is going to invest in you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.